Level Up Latina partners with working women and mamas alike to guide them in achieving fulfilling career and life goals through financial empowerment, professional or leadership coaching, and personal wellness. Find the unique coaching you need to succeed. You're listening to Vero, Ceci, and Irene, and we are Level Up Latina. Welcome to another episode of the Level Up Latina podcast. Today we have Rebecca Contreras as our guest. Rebecca is the author of Lost Girl, From the Hood to the White House to Millionaire Entrepreneur. Wow, that's a mouthful. Rebecca has a very powerful story. She's an author, entrepreneur, and change agent. Her goal is to help women change the way they see themselves and to have them empower those around them. We very much align with that goal. There are so many different ways in which Latinas transform their lives, no matter the odds against them, and you're living proof. So thank you for being here, Rebecca, and for sharing space. Welcome. Well, thank you. It's, I'm, it's great to be here all the way from sunny Texas, back to sunny California, where you guys are. And I'm excited uh, to get to know you a little better and to share my story with your listeners. Thank you. Thank you. We're excited to get to talking. So before we talk about your journey, uh, tell us about your background and upbringing, all that fun stuff. So I'm actually orig originally from El Paso. I was born in El Paso, so I'm a border town girl. And uh, we know what, what happens sometimes with those <laughs> the challenges that border towns have. But I'm one of four kids and none of us um, none of us knew our fathers. And, and my twin brother and I had our father was from Yugoslavia. My older brother's father was Mexican and my younger sister's father was black. So he used to tell mom, you just need the Asian to complete the circle of diversity. There you But go. Uh, yeah, so, you know, we we grew up in abject poverty there, right? Right uh, at the border of where you cross from El Paso Juarez and in a little project area there. And mom had a lot of challenges and issues and as a single mom, but also um, was was uh, uh, involved in drugs and had a lot of mental mental illness, mental trauma, all kind of smushed together. And, uh, you know, growing up in abject poverty, but also with emotional, physical and spiritual poverty in so many different ways, every area of my life was in poverty and uh, and sustained trauma and abuse and all that, all that stuff. And uh, my mom actually abandoned us at age five. And I tell the full story. The first three chapters of Lost Girl are dedicated to the trauma that I sustained as a child and as a teenager. Um, but there's good news because chapter four through chapter eight talks about that transformative journey of really turning my life around. You know, when, when you grow up with those elements, whether it's physical abuse or sexual abuse or lack of parent figure, Um, addictions, mental illness, all that junk mumbled together. I, I actually was in a fossil launching my book and I was talking to Latinas, a group of Latinas there, a leadership conference. And I said, how many of you grew up in jacked up families? And about half the room raises their hand are like, yeah, we're all jacked up. But, um, you know, it's it's funny, but it isn't. And, you know, we we need to As Latino community, we, we're, we're such amazing family-oriented community people. We stick together and we get we get through you know crap together. We get through life together. But um, as a result of that traumatic upbringing, it really did a number on me as a teenager. And I, of course, took the path of least resistance and got involved in drugs and trauma myself, and um, became a very um, dysfunctional young adult. And um, When I ended up pregnant, I had to drop out of school. And, you know, back then they, they didn't have daycares and schools for you to go to. And, uh, you know, was on the trajectory, girls, to become a Latina statistic. We have the highest teen pregnancy rate in America, which is really should not be the case. But I was on that trajectory until I had an intervention in my life at age 
19 as a teen mom on poverty, on welfare, kind of repeating all the same cycles of my mother. Um, I had a, a, a complete and total epiphany and encounter, which for me was um, a, a spiritual encounter and a, an encounter with mentors and people that I saw different than me mm-hmm. uh, that believed in me and said, what are you, what are you doing with your life? Like, why are you making all those stupid choices? Right. And they, I always, in my book, talk about how people had to reach into the gutter to pull Rebecca out of the gutter. But, um, you know, there were people in my life that saw my potential when I didn't see my own potential. Um, And I went back to school, got my GED, and I landed a welfare to work program for working for one of the most powerful Democrats in Texas, Ann Richards. She was my first boss. And, uh, you know, I had never seen a woman in power in me, in my family, barefoot, pregnant, you know, multiple kids. And I mean, that's just the way that it was in my home. And, and I don't know that I would call it a home, I would call it an environment, right. But when I saw Anne in power, and I saw the women around her, and then my second boss was Kay Bailey Hutchison, another powerful woman uh, in Texas, two of the of the most iconic women really here in the state of Texas and worked for her. It just it just changed the trajectory of my life. And I, and I grew all the way up in government and you know, went back to school and and eventually uh, ran um, uh, the state of Texas HR for Governor Bush. And so he was my last uh, political official. And I spent 12 years with Governor Bush, went to the White House with him, was one of the top ranking Latinas in the White House. And, you know, uh, just life for me changed and transformed in a big way. Tell us a little more about how you even got into politics. I know you briefly mentioned there was like a program, but how did you make the leap? I think that's an interesting sort of what were the hardships? What was the transition? And then how do you end up at the White House? Like there's a big transition there. Well, it's funny because I was never in politics. I never worked on a campaign in my life. I was on the what we call the career side, the state government career side. And I just worked for some really smart people that um, I worked really hard. And uh, one, one lady in particular, when I worked for Kay Bailey Hutchison, sent me to school and I went and got communication courses. I don't have a traditional degree. I have a GED, but I've taken a lot of courses in management and leadership and communication and, you know, got rid of my East Side slang and started learning how to communicate <laughs> by watching people. And just changing my life and taking ownership. And this is what I tell Latinas and, and, and really our community in general. We got to own our future, right? Before anybody gives us a seat, we got to own that seat at the table. Because nothing's going to come to us unless we take a hold of it and work hard and change our behavior. And go get help, you know, go back to school, get the right mentors and coaches and, you know, do, do, do the hard work on the root of your trauma before it jacks you up for life, right? Uh, because we are a product of our environment. And so I, uh, for me, it was about working for those political officials that saw my potential. And um, I was in the um, HR area. So my expertise is in management and HR. And, uh, and, you know, they asked me to join, you know, administration to administration. Rebecca, can you join, you know, our team? And absolutely. And Pre- President Bush, and I tell the full story in my book, of that transition with President Bush, uh, Governor Bush then actually, when I found out that he had asked about me and said, if I get elected, will Rebecca go? I was blown away. Oh. I was like, you mean he knows who this little Latina, yeah. no education is? And actually, uh, President Bush recently sent me a personal note. He read my book and and it personalized the note to me three weeks ago that just talked about the impact that my book made on him and how he knew me, but he never really knew the trauma I went through and how I overcame it and how proud he was of me. And because I have never had a father 
uh, the mentor figures in my life, and they've been there've been many. Uh, Clay Johnson's another mentor figure. They were father figures to me, and you know, so I'm not a political person. I, I I would say that you know I've never worked on a campaign in my life, but I worked for the right leaders and and political leaders here in Texas that believed in me. Yeah, that was so touching. I was like tearing up thinking about it. Like, that is so touching that he took the time to write that note, that he read your book, that he before all of that thought of you. Like obviously you were doing something right. You were a hard worker. You were there and you had the leaders in front of you and you just jumped on it. Very well done. What a great example. So as one of the only Latinas at the White House, what are some of the challenges you face? What is some of the stuff that you had to overcome? Or maybe what are some of the wins of being in that experience? You know, what a trailblazer in so many ways to be. Yeah, you know what's interesting? I'll have to tell you, um, President Bush hired quite a, a few, a lot of Latina leaders. And I had, I had some colleagues, one of my, one of my best friends from the administration who I still keep in touch with today, Rosario Marin. She was the United States treasurer. She's an immigrant. She came to the United States at age nine, didn't speak a lick of English and she became the U S treasurer. And so she worked for him. And I had a lot of um, people around me at the white house in my particular area as a commissioned officer, which is the rank of a two-star general. I was the highest ranking in my, in my area. But there were other Latinas um, and other mentors that, you know, were smarter than me and highly educated that I really grabbed a hold and learned from them. So, listen, we're never too old to stop learning from people. And so I really gravitate um, towards smart people, people that are smarter than me, book smarter than me, life smarter than me. And then I just glean everything I can and learn from them. I think I think that's one of the successes that makes me a successful entrepreneur today. I run a 100 person practice consulting practice. I have a lot of smart people working for me and they make me look good as a CEO, right? They're smarter than I am. I believe in them and I give them the leadership potential to to run and be successful. And then in turn, I'm successful. Yeah, we have different strengths and we need to play to them and, you know, align ourselves with those that have different strengths and, 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 you know, together, we like to say like, somos más fuertes, you know, podemos. In fact, I think that's what makes us work as three partners in this business. We're very different. Each of us has a different strength. And so when we can harness the strength of each of us and really play to that, it makes us better. None of us knows everything. Obviously not. We actually have the greater minds or those that naturally comes to them to do something really well, or they're excited about their particular topic, whether it be finances or public speaking or coaching or marketing, you know, we kind of can share those roles and really lean on who knows it best. At least when we do that, it works out really well. We're going to make that the tip of the day to just really lean on those that have that expertise, learn from others be humble to be willing to learn from others. And that's going to be the tip of the day that you're never, I think you said you're never too old to learn something new. I think it was something like that. Yeah, I turned 53 this January. And you know what, I'm a grandmother now. And I'm still learning. I'm still expanding. I'm still surrounding myself with people that are smarter than I am. And and I'll never stop learning. I think that's a secret to success. I I will just say this, when I was with President Bush, I was a surrogate for him to the Latino community. So I did a lot of you know, conferences and interviews and spoke to a lot of Latino groups. And one thing I find um, that's challenging of our community and whether it's Mexican, Cuban, Puerto Rican, whatever demographic, you know, whatever culture you come from, they tend to work well together within their own community, but they don't cross work together. And that's why I think we don't have a seat at the table. I saw that happen in the African-American community where they band together and boy, they, you know, they, they mobilize. We need to, as a Latino community, mobilize for our cause. 
and work together because guess what? We're stronger together. It doesn't matter if we're politically different on political opinion. We have more that binds us together than divides us. And so that's my tip to let, to, to the people I talk to in the Latino community. Let's work together to advance where we need to go. One final point on that. Earlier, we were talking to another author, which is really incredible. We were doing a live on Instagram and Veda was commenting that she has a client that said, you know, she's had to do a lot of her life on her own. Uh, do it yourself, DIY. And we came up with the term do it juntas, D-I-J. Okay. Like we need to do it juntas. There's a way and we're stronger in numbers. And funny enough, there's a thread for today for the authors. And there's a common thread about community juntas. We're not in competition. We're with each other. In fact, we should work together to rise together. So thank you for that tip. And I'll let that'll take it away doing it juntas here. Yes. Yeah, so, so I'll just add a stat to that tip to you. So uh, Latinas had a 19% population growth in 2019. We're one of the fastest growing demographic in entrepreneurs and in, in, in demographic and growth. And we're the one of the biggest contributors to the U.S. economy. Okay. So Latina business owners like me, we had an 87% growth since 2007. There are over 2 million Latina owned businesses in the U.S. and growing. We're number one here in Texas. So we got to do it together because we're going to actually have our seat at that table when we work together. Amen to that. I'm like, amen. I'm away. Like, amen to chills. that. Chills over here. We did mention that also earlier in our in um in the IG live that we did that we're like we're we're growing we're growing we're graduating college and some of us are are even if we don't graduate we're finding ways to level up right and we're looking ways to to come out of where we're at and in the sense we're starting businesses and many times we get lost along the way, but we find our way right back and we're like, you know, I'm going to go for it. And I'm going to thrive. One thing that we have is that we consistently lechamos ganas and we don't give up. But mm -hmm. one of the things that have stood out with me and what you've mentioned is that you mentioned aside from politics, you've, you worked with the right leaders. You know, you just learned, you were able to put whatever politics or perspectives aside, but you, you saw good leadership in front of you and you tied yourself to it. You're like, okay, what can I learn from here? And that's um, the tip that Irene said will be the tip of the day was that it's never too late to start learning and to keep learning. And when we coach women, we tell them it's never too late for anything. It's never too late to start. The worst part is, is getting older and never have given yourself a shot. You know, it's like, it's like you, you know, like moving the ball out of the way of your free throw and like making that extra point. It's, it's like to win the game. It's like, you're the one getting in your own way. So so, so many good things. And like, I feel like we've gone through so much in just about 15 minutes of our conversation, but I feel that with everything that you've had to share, you know, it's kind of like, um, where else can we dig in? So I want to now at this point, you've mentioned chapters one through four. And then after that, you talk about going from trauma to transformative years and trans transformative things. Can you tell us a, bit, a little bit more about your book and why was it so important for you to, to write it and put this into words? So um, listen, I have been ashamed of my past nearly my whole life. Um, you know, I, I because I'm half, um, my father was from Yugoslavia and um, I actually tell the whole story. He was, he was an um, owner of a nightclub my mom was a dancer at, so I never knew him, but I'm half white and half Latina. And, um, you know, I, I, they bust us to school from East Austin up to North Austin with all the white kids. And so we got busted and I never fit in the white community and I never fit in the Latina community because I was a mixed race. And that, and that was always a challenge back in, you know, back in my day, it isn't now we have great embracing of diversity and inclusion, but it wasn't then. But um, so my book really takes the reader through the journey of not only my mess and all of my trauma, 
but it also takes the reader through my transformation and through how I had to deliberately own my choices and really make make that kind of stick in the ground decision. I check, I talk about a chapter in there dedicated entirely to my experience in the, in the White House where I almost didn't make the Secret Service clearance uh, because of my past. And you know what? I had to own that. I had to own and tell the truth about my past because even if it meant potentially losing my job. And I talk about how, you know, leaders in in the president's office came to my defense and said, you know, we don't care about her past. We know her and we want to stand by her. Um, and so, you know, one of my very good friends um, in the White House during that time that stood by me was the first Hispanic U.S. Attorney General, Al Gonzalez. He was the general counsel at the time and Al knew my story. Uh, Clay Johnson, my mentor. And so I, in the book, I really lay out for the reader, not only the rawness of my story, but I also talk about how the steps of my transformation happened because it doesn't just snap. You don't just snap your fingers and you go from being here to here overnight, right? There's a step in the process of dealing with the trauma and dealing with the dysfunction and dealing with the mental illness or whatever else you have to deal with, right? Um, and then I introduced the reader to transforming my career as well uh, and how I went from being a government worker to an executive and to one of the top leaders in the administration to then becoming an entrepreneur. I had never seen that. There are uh, my brother, my older brother's an entrepreneur. He and I started our businesses around the same time, but there are no other entrepreneurs in our family. You know, we never saw that. What does that look like? But, um, you know, how, how did I reinvent myself? So I take the reader through that sort of reinvention one on one and what that looks like, because we live in the greatest country in the world, America, where anything is possible, um, especially with hard work and good people around you and credentials and, you know, pursuing your education. I'm a big proponent of that. My husband and I right now, we have a nonprofit uh, for the last 10 years and we're, we're helping 12 Latino kids get, get their education through scholarships. You know, we're now paying it forward to say, you need to stay in school and get your scholarship, get, you know, whether it's uh, go to vocation training or whether it's go to chef school or whether it's go to traditional college, you know, but you need to get some, some education and training. And so, you know, uh, I talk about the entire chapter of how we created the nonprofit. And so we're, we're social entrepreneurs and business entrepreneurs, because guess what? If we're successful in business, Shame on us if we don't give back to our community. We've got to go back and pull our our people, our kids up and say, you can do this. And this is this is how I did kind of a tell all, but also kind of a step by step transformative journey at each juncture of my transformation. It sounds like there's a lot of good nuggets in that book, like from the beginning to what you're doing now and becoming an entrepreneur. I think it's important that you shed light on, you know, your your perspective and the challenges that you face growing up, you know, in the border town. So thank you for sharing this. I think it's important for our listeners to hear your story and see themselves in you and, and you know, all your your journey that you've had to to now and you had mentors and you had champions along the way that helped you get to where you're at today so thank you for for sharing that and and in turn i'm now a champion and mentoring right so i'm paying yeah. it forward um i also want to briefly mention um an important factor of what's in there is you know i i'm now married at 32 years my husband and i are going to complete our 32 year anniversary he adopted my daughter. Um, I talk about the baby daddy crises, the guy that almost killed me and he protected me from him. And, you know, I've never seen, my mother was never married. My grandmother was never married. Um, I never saw anybody with a healthy marriage. And what does a healthy marriage look like? You know, and, and we, we, we both came from single moms and dysfunction. Um, 
his his drug of choice was cocaine and he spent 10 years on cocaine and you know spiraled out of control but we came together at at when we became healthy in our own choices and we started our family and here we are with you know our grandkids and our children and now our our son actually is a producer in LA our daughter works for me here but she has two kids and she's married so we have changed the generational cycle is what i'm saying and it's possible for us as a community to change that generational cycle and be a first. Um, and so the book is all about being that first, whether it's family, marriage, um, you know, business. Um, there are opportunities for us to be a first and for our listeners to be a first in their family to also. Uh, there's such great pride in that and, and joy in that. And but uh, but also not necessarily bury the shame and say, oh, gosh, I never want to talk about that again. It's important to tell the story. And that's that's really why I told the whole story, because I wanted the, the reader to understand there's no shame in your past. You can fail forward in life. You don't have to fail backwards in life. Um, Rebecca, earlier you mentioned, you know, you spoke about you, know, you almost lost that position because, you know, Secret Service, they have to do their background checks. They have to make sure, you know, give you to give you that clearance and to make sure you're A-OK 100 percent. So with that, I mean, you you earlier in the podcast, when you we first started speaking, you were like, own your we own our future. We need to own our future. But at the same time, we need to own our past and not be afraid of it, face it and then share our stories. Right. Yeah. And I feel that I can't, I mean, I really, I, I'm like, I want to dig into your book right now. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, why don't we have our hands on this book yet? But it seems that there's, like Ceci mentioned, that there's so many good nuggets, but it's beautiful to see that there's someone that has lived through so much in, from their, you know, young, from their youth through part of their adult lives and still face many challenges. And you faced it. You've owned every single one of those challenges. And you still own the, your future saying like, well, that's who I was. That's what happened to me. And those were the choices. Pretty much I did the best I could with what I had then. And now I'm doing the best I can with what I have now. Yeah. And really like empowering and motivating people to to do the right thing for themselves and move forward, grow. Right. And, yeah. and I will just tell you, uh, I just, uh, the, I, did, I did a leadership conference with Latinas with Silvia Acevedo. Silvia Acevedo was on the cover of Forbes magazine. She is was named number one Latina in STEM in the country. And Sylvia and I were talking because we both spoke uh, at different sessions and we got to get, get to know each other. And, you know, we had very different upbringing. She had two parents. She, she grew up very poor, also in, in, a, in a very depressed part of Texas, but, you know, talked about having to walk down the dirt road and have nothing, you know, but she went to college. She chose the right choices. But it's amazing how you bring us together and we're both so different, yet everything we had, we, we have in common, right? We, 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 we changed the trajectory of our family. We decided to make good choices. Her good choices were she, she stood in, stayed in school. My good choices were I went back to school, right? We have so many things in common. And even as Latinos, if we have different differences and different upbringings, we can still have those common threads of commonality to really bind together and make an impact. And uh, I, I told her, I said, I'm going to stay in touch with you because she's a she's a, um, uh, a scientist. Um, and she was like with NASA and she's brilliant. And, uh, you know, so there are a lot of people in our community that actually have made right choices and have done great things with their life. But those of us that haven't, that had to kind of, you know, drag along uh, in the beginning, and now we're thriving, it's okay uh, to to share those commonalities. I think you're right. That's so 100%. So everyone out there that's listening to this, you know, let's find ways to find the common ground. 
um, to understand where other people are coming from, to really understand and listen to each other's stories and po- like figure out more of the ways we are similar than we are different. Because it's always easy to be like, no, pues esa la loca. And no, esa tal, the, no, she likes to do this. And, and we, but we find, and we find that it's easier to do that than to be like, no, I'm so much like that person because, or I want to be so much like that person. Like that person's so like, they're shining. They're letting, they're letting their big energy just l- like out. And why am I holding myself back? So I feel that we need to find a ways to find the common ground, get inspired, collaborate, not compete with these powerhouse women. Like you said, you're like, hey, Sylvia, she's a, she's a scientist, but there's so much that we can still learn from one another and ways we can contribute to each other's growth and each other's world, like one of those yes. worlds. And when we do that, ladies, guess what? We're going to have positions at the board table. We're going to accelerate in corporate America, in government. We're going to have, because we're going to band together and say, how can I help you? Um, and for me, it's all about the network, right? We're very powerful with our network and we're going to spread the network and help each other. And so, you know, it's, if you, if you think of it in terms of where we want to be as a, as a Latina community, if we will work together, we can get there together. Um, you know, tenemos que trabajar juntas, ¿verdad? Porque we pull each other apart or we compete with each other or we tear each other down. That's not healthy for us. And so I'm excited about this message of hope and this message of unity for our community. You said network right now. And I, the first thing that came to mind, I'm like, this woman knows how to network. When you when you said you met Sylvia and you guys were, it was, you had never met her before. You had no idea who she was, but you were like, we're going to keep in touch, girl. Like, hey, yeah. I'm going <laughs> to... I'm a holler at you. <laughs> we actually, uh, funny story. I, a week after I met her, I get this package in the mail. She had texted me. She said, "Give me your address," and she sends me this this uh, T-shirt that she found for me. She she found it somewhere. She was traveling. She says, "La mera jefe," and she said, "When I saw this T-shirt, I'm like, oh, I'm gonna send that to Rebecca." But we had, you know, we just met at a conference, and we were both speakers. But yeah, we're, we're definitely staying in touch. That is super cool. That is that's awesome. I'm like, look at these two powerhouse women still like, you know, and it's like como homegirls, like como amigas yeah. that you just, you know, like, oh, I remember my homegirl. Let me send her, let me send her some love. So that's yeah. really awesome. Um, the impact that we have on one another, we just allow it to happen and not be embarrassed to be to say like, hey, you know what? I can learn from you and we can do things together. Que bonito. Eso, I'm ready sure. to. Ya le compré el libro here, Rebecca. Yeah. Purchase. <laughs> already in my Kindle, girl. Ready to read. I'll try to stay focused on this conversation and read after. I tell the, the, the women that buy my book, my book is a must read with a glass of wine. It's like, Perfect. like you know, it's one of those books that you just go, Ay, Chihuahua, no. Oh, oh, it just <laughs> it drops you and then it puts, takes you to heights and then you're crying and then you're laughing. And then, and so, yeah, you'll definitely need to. <laughs> Done. Consider it done. Seth is going to grab tequila. That's her, that's her drink of tequila, choice. Tequila, that's right. <laughs> un tequilita, un tequilita. Um, I, actually, Rebecca, I have a question. You touched a little bit about your company and the, the, you know, the CEO that you are. Tell us more about what you do and the type of company that you run. So um, we actually have, I have a for-profit company uh, called Avantgarde, and it's the consulting firm. And we, we're, we're across seven different states. Um, about 100, 110 plus employees. And we are in all things HR, so human resources and human capital companies. So we do everything from strategy to organizational change to workforce planning to recruiting. Um, and we service about 15 different agencies in the government because I came out of the government. I have a very strong network in the government. But if you think in terms of all things HR, that's what we're doing. 
Um, so I always tell people, you know, I became an expert in government in my field with a strong network. And I was always asked to be at the table for human capital and HR stuff. And I decided, you know what, I need to sell this. I need to like figure out a way to make money off my expertise. And so that's how Avantgarde was born. Was born. And we're 11 years old as a company and growing. We're on the trajectory this year to grow um, in tremendous ways. And so in addition to that uh, avant-garde company, I, I launched Lost Girl, so now have an author thought leader company, which is doing everything around my public speaking and my events. I'm actually hosting an event here in the Austin area called Women Empower Girls of Legacy. It's for Women's History Month, and that's where we're scholarshipping our girls. But we're having women of wisdom come together with these young girls, Latina girls, and we're saying, hey, we believe in you, we invest in you. I have Miss Texas, it's gonna help me present some of the scholarships to the girls. And so we're doing that. And then um, the the nonprofit is the other, um, is the other entity. Uh, and then this year, my husband and I started a commercial real estate company and we're building our first commercial commercial property. And so, you know, I'm all about diversifying the Latino community needs to diversify your, your income and diversify your streams so that you can have influence and with influence, you can help the community. That is so true. That is wonderful. Congratulations um, on all on, on your three, three awesome ventures. And I'm sure soon to be more. Um, you're a very smart woman. You know, you have a supportive partner that's also willing to, you know, work hard and not only work hard, but like really do the work to also, like you mentioned, get the influence to change and make impact in your community. Well, and um, I, I will say my, my partner, my husband is a Mexicano. Okay. So yeah, uh, Mexico. Not, let me tell you this man, I've been traveling to DC for 15 years and I'm gone, you know, half the year. This is one of the most empowering men out there and he's a Mexican. And so he comes from like that old school Mexicano. He's 10 years older than I am, but he has kind of seen the writing on the wall and he, he sees my potential and he's happy and he's like, you know, babe, whatever I can do to get behind you, let's figure it out. And um, and even if it means I, I, you know, you pass your man up, if your man doesn't celebrate you and cheer you on, not just say, hey, pues, ¿qué estás haciendo? then you got to figure out if you have the right man. Right. But I do. And my husband, he's my biggest cheerleader. Tell him, Rebecca, tell yes, him, yeah, figure out, girls, if you got the right man supporting mm -hmm. your journey, it's okay to pass him up. It's okay to work alongside him. He's got to be your number one cheerleader. Yeah. Beautiful. Well said. Very well said. I just watched the uh, Netflix special, the Ali Wong one, where she talks about how many men have slept with female executives, like really high <laughs> power women. And she, he's like, I can probably tell you none of you, you know, but the difference he's like, is this, this is some high powered pussy. This is some high powered pussy. <laughs> Um, I haven't, so I haven't it's, seen that series, but it it's, a, it's a good one. It's just it's one of her um, one of her uh, comedy Netflix specials, and there's two of them where she's pregnant, and this is a final one where she's finally not pregnant. Kind of, I feel like that's my journey right there right now. But um, it that's what she mentions, and it's it's funny because many times we are afraid. You know, men are afraid of women surpassing or being, you know, higher paid than they are. And when we have our partners that are not supportive, it really. It, it really brings us down. It doesn't let us be just come to our full potential. It will stunt mm. your growth. This is why I tell Latinas, if you don't have a man that's supporting you and not only supporting you, but may giving you the time for yourself, right? Because, you know, if he wants you at home all the time, you know, ¿dónde vas a ir? ¿Por qué no va? You know, no, no quiero que vaya sola or whatever. You know, you, you have to have somebody who trusts you. And honestly, you have to earn that trust, right? And I've done that. But uh, don't let anybody stunt your growth and your potential. 
especially not a man. Nobody. Well said. I really don't want to go to one of our last questions because this has been such a good conversation that I do not want it to end. I will address one more thing that's so important for our Latina community to understand. If you have a young lady, a girl, either a, a, a prima, I, I mean, a, a granddaughter or a daughter, or even a prima, if you have somebody watching you and they're watching what you do and they're watching the decisions you make, whether it comes to picking your men or what career choices you make or how you serve in the community, you got to be careful with that because guess what? You have the potential to really leave a legacy with that young lady watching you. And um, I, I was, I've been mentoring this. Um, this single mom for about 10 years now, when I first met her, she was on welfare. She had, you know, all these baby daddies in her life. And one of her baby daddy's kids was in prison and she was just in depression on, on antidepressants. And I started mentoring her and I, I told her, I said, here's the deal. You don't have to do all of this. Like you don't have to keep picking these loser men and getting involved with the baby daddies and, you know, put a stake in the ground and value and love yourself. And you have to love yourself more than you love anything else. And I, For me, it's loving God and loving myself. And then everything else comes after that, right? Um, but it's important for us as Latinas to, to, to empower those that are watching us, whether it's our girls, um, our own children, or other girls in the community that are watching us. And so be very calculated and strategic about what you're doing and how you're making those decisions because somebody who has the potential to be that next generation of the girl, a legacy in my, in my program is watching you. Got it. That's very good words of advice as well. I wanted to mention, Rebecca, um, you have your nonprofit and you're, ha you're hosting a Women's History Month event. It's Women in Power, Girls in Legacy. We, you know, if you ever need anyone to like host a workshop or show up and also, you know, give some words of encouragement or, you know, have speakers, we would love to be a part of that. I feel that what you have going on there is awesome. Um, we will fly to Texas, women. We will <laughs> find a way to yeah. make it happen. But those are the things that we would love to be involved with, you know, and, and yeah. I'll show women that no matter where you come from, you know, we're three women that, you know, we, like we mentioned, we're from California, Bay Area, Southern California, but we grew up in places of poverty. We grew up, you know, I grew up in Watts, Irene in Inglewood, Ceci and Hayward. And it's like these places that really have taught us that it's important to know where we came from, to know where we're going. And, and it's taught us so many different values and, and helped us become the women that we are today. So yes. think of us, you know, keep us in mind yes. for the future. It's also really good advice, what Rebecca was saying, for everyone to think about those that are watching them. I'm going to be speaking at the Juvenile Hall panel for, it's a panel for women also because it's, you know, Women History Month and, and all this wonderful recognition of us and International Women's Day just went by. But I think it's really important to give back. It's absolutely important to give back and to be a mentor. So that is why we're willing to help. But also, if you don't have this connection here, help anywhere. When someone asks you to share your story, help, give back, be in the panel, be the volunteer, be at the career day. I especially think it's important for or women who might be struggling, who might need some light at the end of the tunnel, who might aspire to change their lives to see in our examples what's possible. So give back in those ways too. So we're willing to help you, Rebecca, and also to our listeners, please think about ways where you can give back. Who is watching you, as Rebecca said, and what can you do to be a wonderful support and a guide and inspire you know, those that are coming after you for their own legacy to change and because you've changed your own. And it only takes one that you can change. Because I was that one. If somebody had told me when I was 17, a high school dropout, a single, a single mom in poverty, Rebecca, one day you're going to be the advisor to the leader of the free world. I wouldn't have believed it. 
So you never know what that one person is going to be or turn into or have the potential to accomplish. Sure that. So Rebecca, before we let you go, this is our signature question that we ask our guests. Um, what advice or words of wisdom would you share with your 25-year-old self that you could do today? So uh, at 25, I was married. Um, I, I got married when I was 21. And so just a few years married. I think, I think the advice for my 25-year-old self was give yourself room to make mistakes. Um, when you're trying to navigate life and you've never had a model, uh, and you, you know, shit happens. <laughs> you're, sometimes we're hard on ourselves. And so give yourself room to make mistakes. Um, not only own them, but actually make them and be okay with it. Right. So get yourself up, dust yourself off and move forward. Have a, a, a forward movement mindset in everything that you do. Um, at 25, you know, especially dealing with being a new mom and, uh, my mother actually had raised my daughter. She took her away from me. So I got her when she was 13 months old. And so having to navigate being a new mom and having her in my home with my new husband and, you know, all those pressures of all the things going on, it just, um, I didn't give myself that grace and that room to make mistakes um, and to be okay, with, to be okay with mistakes, right? Um, it's, it's not earth shattering. You know, sometimes I think we're hard on ourselves. We're too, we're too hard on ourselves. Um, and, and the second piece of advice is, is I would have told myself to love myself exactly the where I was because at 25, I didn't have it all together. I had just started my transformation journey. Uh, so, you know, love yourself exactly where you are and, and know that love yourself enough to not to leave yourself there, but to do the hard work to, to grow, but still love yourself. That's beautiful advice. Thank you for sharing that. And thank you for being with us today. It's been a great conversation. Let's keep in touch. Um, and also, thanks. I mean, you're, you have an amazing journey. You have an amazing story. So thank you for sharing that with us today. Um, please, let our, uh, please let our listeners know how they can find you, where they can reach you, all that good stuff. Yeah. So you can actually uh, connect with me on RebeccaContreras.com. Uh, my website has all my hashtags on there. I'm on Instagram and Facebook at Rebecca and Contreras with the middle name Ann. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'd love to hear from you and stay in touch. I put a lot of content out. I just got through a reset you for 2022 challenge. And I have all the videos on my website where I do 15 minutes of reset every Monday talking about resetting your life. Um, and so, you know, engage with me, subscribe on my page at RebeccaContreras.com, and you'll be a part of receiving some of that great, helpful content that I put out. But thank you, ladies. You guys are awesome. Uh, love spending time with you. Muchos abrazos. Thank you so much for everything you're doing to really encourage Latinas and, 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 and level them up, so to speak. Muchas gracias. Thank you, Thank you so gracias. much. And ladies, you heard it all here. You, 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 all the information where you can reach Rebecca. She is a very wise woman um, and has allowed us to learn to own our past and own our future. Está en nuestras manos. So no se dejen, no se echen por vencidas. Um, if there's something that in this conversation that we have with Rebecca that resonated with you and you want to continue this conversation, reach out to us. Feel free to email us. You can email us at admin at leveloplatina.com. You can also reach us in our social handles at leveloplatina and on Twitter at latina underscore up. But thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in and checking us out. This was a great conversation and we wish you all a wonderful, wonderful day. Rebecca, una vez más, thank you so much. Gracias, Rebecca. Bravo. Thank you. Oh, bravo. Y que viva la música.